Good morning and blessed Advent. Today is Tuesday, December 12th, and you're listening to Thy Strong Word, where each weekday morning we explore the Holy Scriptures, which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. Well, Christmas Eve is just a short 12 days away, and we're counting down to Christmas by meditating on some of our most beloved Advent and Christmas hymns. Today, I invite you to open up your Lutheran service books to hymn 357, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Before we get started, I want to mention our sponsor. That's the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. They help bring the true message of Christmas around the world through their translating and publishing work. Learn more about what they do on their website at lhfmissions.org. We're also live this morning, so feel free to call in with your comments or questions to 800-730-2727. And by the way, that's a number that you might want to write down because over the course of this study, we're going to be giving away some books. CPH Concordia Publishing House has generously offered us Eternal Anthems, Volumes 1 and 2, to give away both on the program and on our social media. So I'll be handling the giving it away on the program, and you're going to look for that opportunity on Friday. But for now, remember that number, 800-730-2727. Now, if you want to email me your questions, you can still do that at pastorboo at gmail.com. You can also send me a Facebook message. I'll try to get your question, your comment out on the air. But for now, let's welcome back to the program the Reverend John Lukomsky. He's the co-host of Wrestling with the Basics on KFUO Radio. Good morning, Pastor Lukomsky. Welcome back to the show. So, so Pastor Boo, how many inches of snow do you have there at Laverne, Minnesota? Absolutely zero. <laughs> oh, I'm so no. thankful. It was. It had the high of like fifty or sixty the other day. It was oh amazing. my goodness. That's now, not right. Right now, I think it's 15. So, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Us. Thank you for putting it back in perspective. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I live in Minnesota, so that didn't. Uh, uh, but you have had snow, though. Tell us you have had we, snow. It just, we it's have melted. had snow, but it was, it was just a little bit. Most of it's gone. Okay. And honestly, it's looking to be a, I, now I know this is dangerous to say for those yeah. who are superstitious, not we Christians, though. It's looking to be a pretty mild winter. At least I hope it is. Last year was pretty rough even for Minnesota. Well, you know, we, we've, we've, we've booked out of there. We're back down here outside of St. Louis because I know what's coming. And I, I hope and pray <laughs> you're right about it being mild. Although, you know, you're going to get all the snowmobilers on your back now. <laughs> Cause they, <laughs> That's just, true. they That's wait true. with bated breath for the snow to come. So uh, I remember I'm back when I was that. snowmobiling, you know, it was best once you had a couple of feet of snow. And oh, yeah. for me, I always found anywhere between 20 and 30 degrees was the best snowmobiling <laughs> weather, but I'm sure results may vary. Uh, yeah. Well, t- well it's ex- I tell you what, to be back here we are you. doing yep. Christmas. We're here we are doing yeah. Christmas and Advent stuff. You know, uh, I know that you are, uh, you certainly serve the church in many ways, but you're not a current <laughs> pastor. You retired right. from that. Um, you still do pastoring, though, plenty on your radio show, and I'm sure you serve in pulpits. But but both as a pastor and as a retired guy, what do you look forward to the most during Advent and Christmas? Well, it was always, for me, um, it was one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, for me, what I, and what I really miss, if you ask me what I miss, I miss visiting all the shut-ins. 
uh, because it was a time when you would go see all of these people. And, and the thing about shed is they just love to see you. You know, sometimes when you make other calls on delinquent members and things like that, you're not so sure they're even happy that you're at their door. But but uh, right. they, they shut him and, and you'd come and you'd bring him uh, the Holy Supper, uh, you know, communion and and uh, you'd share with them the joy of Christmas because it's just such a beautiful message. And so, yeah, that's what I really look forward to, just getting out and seeing seeing the people. And it was always just uh, I, it was a good experience for them and a good experience for me. So I, I do miss that. I do miss that. Well, what about now? As uh, do, do you still work all these Christmases? Do you get to enjoy the services with your family? What's what's life yeah. like for a retired pastor during Christmas? Well, and, and see, that's a good point, too. So that is the difference. I do get to enjoy the services with my family for the most part, because usually, as you know, uh, pastors are around at Christmas time that you're not taking vacation generally. And, and you want to be there for the same reason that I just said. You want to be with your people at this, this so uh, wonderful holiday. But for me, that's right. So actually, Christmas Eve, I'll actually, well, we're, we're, I'm, I'm accompanying the choir. So for a while, I'll have to be up uh, with, with the choir. But yeah, it'll be nice to be able to sit with my family when we have our Christmas Eve worship. And it has been nice for Sunday and, and the midweek services as well. I know my wife appreciates it too, especially when I bet she does. Well, I, 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 this is only the second episode in our series on countdown to Christmas, and we're it's a pretty Adventy hymn today. Actually, it's yeah. thoroughly Advent hymn. Do you have any favorite Advent uh, or Christmas hymns or carols? I mean, what's your what's what's your favorite? Uh, I know everybody I've asked because I've recorded a couple of these episodes. Everybody I've asked. They act like it's a Sophie's choice to try to pick which hymn they want, <laughs> but but certainly it's not that hard. Do you have a favorite? Well, you know, I I, I hate to seem trite, but I just love Silent Night. <laughs> That's because that was the one that we always ended our Christmas Eve service with. We always ended we we'd turn out the lights and everyone would have candles and we would sing Silent Night. And so I guess that's the one. Like I said, I'm sure there's probably all kinds of people that say that pick would pick that one. But, yeah, I would guess that would be my favorite. No, I think that's I think that's a good one for sure. Well, I I dare ask, do you have a least favorite? Um, uh, no, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty much I I like I like all of the hymns. Uh, I, I I do get a little concerned though when when uh, you know someone throws in a hymn that I've never heard before, but I think well okay that's probably good. We probably need to learn some new hymns too at Advent time as well. But I'm I'm I like all the traditional ones, but that's just me. I'm old. <laughs> I don't like you young punks and all the, oh, the new punks. stuff you're trying to bring in. Yeah. Uh. yeah. Well, I tell you what, why don't we get to, speaking of old hymns, this is an extremely ancient hymn that we're talking about today. We're going to get into its history in our first segment, but before we do that, let's start off our time together in prayer, as is our custom. Brother, would you lead us in that prayer? Well, Lord, we... uh... What a wonderful God you are! You, as if it would not be enough just to give us words. You, you give us music, and and you give us the ability not just to speak, to sing, and to 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 to, to praise you uh, uh, in that way. So so thank you for all these hymns, and and thank you for the people, the people that you put here on earth who wrote these hymns and put these things down that we might share them uh, thousands of years later. Uh, in Jesus' name, please use all of this to strengthen our faith this Christmas. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Because that is the goal, right? To go through these hymns in such a way that our listeners and maybe even ourselves, I know I've enjoyed it so far and we've only done a couple of them. We've only done one on the air. I've recorded a couple, 
But I, I tell you, you walk away with a deeper appreciation of these hymns, and it, it means all the more. So let's start with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel's history, its story. What can you tell us? What did you find about this ancient hymn? Well, let me make just real quick editorial comment. I know I mess you Please. up all the time because <laughs> you, <laughs> you're ready to go on. Well, no, I was just thinking what you just said there. See, that's what's great about these hymns that you're going to talk about. They, they all have the roots in the Bible, right? They all have the roots in the Word of God. So much of what we have in terms of hymnody, if you want to call it hymnody, uh, in the secular world, it has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with what God has revealed to us. So so I think that is what's special about all these things. Uh, but my wife, again, because she's a curmudgeon like me, you just wait. You'll get to be a curmudgeon someday, too. Oh, you ought to just do the Bible. We don't need to do you know, But But Lynn, Lynn, Lynn. Yeah, we're not just going to read some songs. We're going to we're going to look at things that come from the scripture that that people of faith have have taken, uh, uh, and and we're going to discover how they do connect with the Bible. Uh, and, and anyway, so back to the history. Uh, like you said, this is this is an ancient hymn. Uh, I, I I'm not sure why they date it back to to the 12th century. I suppose the, the, the style it, it was a Latin hymn, a Roman Catholic hymn, no doubt. Uh, the earliest version we have of it is, is a collection of hymns from 1710, I believe. Uh, and, and it was there, uh, this five-verse Latin uh, hymn was discovered by a man named by John Mason Neal. Uh, he, he translated it uh, in 1851 into the English. That, that we're Some changes, but pretty familiar with us today. Uh, he also ran across this beautiful, beautiful melody uh, that was was probably actually a French funeral chant from about, say, the 14th uh, century or something. Uh, and, and he combined them together and, and, and they fit. They fit beautifully. In fact, I think it's because of the this uh, uh, melody that, that the hymn has become so well known and, and so beloved. Uh, and, and I don't know if people realize most hymns that we sing, you, you could do different melodies, too. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember, was it Amazing Grace that you could also sing to the tune of Gilligan's Island? I don't know why <laughs> you right. would do that, but you could if you wanted to. Uh, away in the Manger, right? Two beautiful, beautiful melodies for Away in the Manger. It's always a, which one are we going to sing this year? Um, but but this this melody has become so associated with O Come, O Come, uh, Emmanuel, that it even has that title, Veni Emmanuel, Come, Come, Emmanuel. Um, now here's, here's what the interesting thing is though. So the, the original Latin, uh, hymn that, that, uh, Neil discovered, cause he was trying to improve the liturgics of the Anglican church back at that time. And so he's looking for ancient hymns. That's what he, old stuff that has connections with Christians over the centuries. Um, but it only had five stanzas. However, it, it's it's pretty obvious that this has a liturgical connection all the way back to maybe what the seventh, eighth century, back back to monasticism, um, because in the the old vesper service uh, that the monks would pray uh, every day, uh, they would sing the the, the Magnificat, Mary's song, uh, because the monastic services were really a lot of focus on Mary. I, I, that's we need to understand that they they were worshiping Jesus, no denying that. But there was also a great focus on the worship of Mary. In, in fact, the 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 uh, the antiphon on 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 uh, Christmas Eve was "O Virgin of Virgins." That was the antiphon. Well, anyway, I, I'm getting ahead of myself because what they would do then is before they would sing the Magnificat, the Song of Mary, they would have like a, a verse that they would sing before, and then they would repeat that verse after. That's called an antiphon. 
Uh, we still do this today with our psalms and things in our, in our worship service. And there was a series of seven anaphons that were sung on the seven days before Christmas Eve. Uh, they're called the O anaphons because they all begin with O Emmanuel, O Lord, uh, what, what have you. And, and obviously, whoever wrote this five-verse Latin song, he, he had those in mind. I, I mean, they're not identical but there's enough connection between the various images that you can tell he knew those anaphons and he was trying to write a poem, write a hymn on the basis of those anaphons. Uh, the thing that's a puzzle, though, is there were only five original verses. And and if you look in your hymn book, well, I got seven verses. <laughs> OK, uh, so I, I think it's just worth noting that the two of the verses that we're going to deal with today came along later. They weren't part of the original. And they came along later probably because someone said, well, wait, there's seven anaphons. So we, we really should have all right. seven of them. Uh, and, and so at some later point, someone decided to add those. And then I guess it's as late as what, the 1940 that someone translated them to English and they, they became part of the hymn uh, as we know it today. But I, and I don't know that that makes any difference, except now, oh, you know, that verse actually wasn't in the original. So you can, you can, <laughs> you know, give some people some trivia the next time when you're, you're singing next to them in church. But well, here's some any, more trivia. One, one thing I learned as I was doing a little digging into this too, is when you talk about those O antiphons, um, which, you know, we still, of course, chant the Magnificent or sing the Magnificent oh, yeah. at Vespers today. But these were, you know, antiphons. They were refrains, I guess is a lack for lack of a better word, uh, to, to so people would sing them back. Well, they uh in this call and response process, the original text in Latin, of course, um, each letter of the main part, right, the O whatever, uh spells out arrow crass. I'm not very good at pronouncing Latin, but that's <laughs> that means I shall be with you tomorrow. So if you take the first letter backwards it's actually a reverse acrostic you'll see that it actually sp it spells out the little phrase i'll be with you tomorrow which is particularly appropriate for an advent season but yeah these o antiphons were basically brought into the hymn that we sing today um i i think that's fascinating too because while we might have lost not lost but while we while the antiphons have fallen into a little bit of disuse um, except in the most highest liturgical traditions, we still retain them in this beautiful hymn. So the one thing I love about this, and this is probably my favorite Advent hymn, possibly even if you include Christmas hymns, um, although I do love O Holy Night. But in any case, uh, I think what's so beautiful about it is that we are, you know, same saying along with Christians throughout the centuries in one form or another, not in the hymn form, but whether it's in this or the antiphons or in the scriptures that inspired the antiphons, because these antiphons are really reflections of Old Testament, I guess, prophecies of what was happening at Christmas. And so that deep-rooted connection to the scriptures is also what I really love about this hymn. And and I really appreciate that point, Pastor Boo. So it's not just that we're connecting ourselves, say, to the, uh, the, the mass, monastic area uh, or even to the, the, the beginnings of Christianity in the first or second century. 
the Christians in the first and second century who were doing these things, who were writing these things, constructing these things, as you said, they're thinking about what happened already back in the Old Testament, thousands and thousands of years before them. So, so what what we do when we have these ancient hymns is the understanding that what we're what we're doing here is not something new. We're not innovating, uh, but what we're doing is something that actually, I guess you could say, goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in a sense. All of this was part of God's plan all along, and now it finally has its uh, culmination in, in the arrival of Jesus Christ at Christmas. And, and of course, as this hymn emphasizes, that we're still waiting for the absolute completion of this when, O come, O come, Emmanuel, when Christ comes at the end. So, Yeah, you're not going to find angels or shepherds or mangers uh, or anybody, uh, according to the nativity account, in these lyrics. It's all going to be pointing forward to Christ's coming. It gives us a sense of what it was like to wait for the Messiah to come. But of course, we already know what that feels like because we're waiting for him to come yep. back, as yep. you pointed out. Well, anything else before we just dive right in and read the first stanza? Well, since you bring that up, something that I had not realized for many, many years, it's the same way with the hymn Joy to the World. That that really isn't about him coming to Christmas, it's about him coming at the end of the world. So you've always got that kind of uh, now, not yet uh, tension going on. Well, and we'll see it as we, we look at the cry of this hymn, which is, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Yep. All right, let's read the first stanza. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly, ex lonely exile here until the Son of God up here. Now, just just breaking in, I'm going to say that this connects most to December 23rd's antiphon, which is, O Emmanuel, our King and our Lord, the anointed Savior for the nations and their Savior, come and save us, O Lord, our God. The reason why I say that is because stanzas two, etc., pick up the antiphons with December 17th, O Wisdom, O Key of David, O Lord, O Dayspring, etc. Um, and they're not always in the in the in the order that we think they will be. But anyway, so we we kind of start at the end here with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Take us through that, brother. So so here, here's the thing, like you said, so so the original antiphons are really, really very clever because they build, they build. They, they have all these Old Testament images that we'll cover. And then they have the great conclusion right before Christmas Eve, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, but now the, the author here, the author of this hymn, he's made that the theme of the whole, of the whole hymn. Right. So from the very beginning, he starts with O come, O come, Emmanuel. And he ends, every verse ends with uh, he shall come, right? Emmanuel shall come to the O Israel. Uh, and, and of course, uh, that that's the point. Here's here's the, the chief biblical term in the hymn, the word Emmanuel, which is simply the uh, Hebrew for God with us, God with us. Uh, and if you think about it, well, wait a second, that's kind of ironic, is it? Because we're saying that the God with us should come to us. But if he's the God with us, shouldn't he already be here? <laughs> and, and that, of course, is the tension we live as Christians. Uh, one of the great things about being a Christian is we have no doubt that God is here right now. Uh, in fact, think of the beautiful signs he's given of his presence, that when we, when we do what we're doing right now, when we study God's word, because Emmanuel is certainly uh, the word of God. We, we didn't come up with that name. God came up with that name. Uh, and, and he says, where two or more are gathered, lo, there I am in the midst of them. 
and especially for us where we celebrate the Lord's Supper, Jesus says, here I am right here. This is my body right here for you to eat. This is my my blood right here for you to drink. So, so we have these beautiful signs and evidence and proofs of his presence. And yet sometimes it doesn't seem like he's he's present. Um, don't get old, Pastor Boo. That would be my recommendation as a 70-year-old, because eventually when you get uh, Medicare, uh, it's like the doctor, oh, they've got Medicare. <laughs> Let's do stuff with them because the government's <laughs> going to pay for it. So so I have gone over the last few weeks, I I've regular, not only have I had regular doctor's appointments just for checkups, eye doctor's appointments, of course, which you got to do too. I've had an endoscopy because they think I have some precancerous cells in my esophagus. So we have to do an endoscopy and do some ablation where they try to burn out these these suspect cells. And not only that, that next week I get to go and have a, a, a heart stress test done, uh, which means I'll have to be there at the hospital at 7.30 in the morning and can't have any any caffeinated drinks for 24 hours before that. And oh. and then yet I've got another surgeon who's got an appointment for me because uh, he wants to, he thinks I should have a hyaluronic hernia surgery as well. <laughs> and, and, you know, honestly, when you have all that stuff going on, you're thinking, where where are you at, God? Yeah, <laughs> What's right. going on here? Uh, it, it, well, but, you know, I you talk about getting old. You know, I I'm yeah. younger than you, but I'm starting to feel life's pains a little bit <laughs> as I get older. Uh, and I tell you, I, but I also walk alongside lots of folks, just as you have, oh. who experience variety of ails and 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 ills and everything else that one could endure in this life. And so you appreciate this this call. Oh, come. Emmanuel, you know, yes, we join in with the refrain of those looking for the coming Messiah of old, but we're really looking forward to Christ's return. I mean, it's not that we want to hasten our deaths or reject this beautiful gift of life that we have, but we know what's waiting for us. And this now but not yet tension, well, we talk about it a lot, but we don't often talk about how frustrating it can be for a believer to look out into the world and see it stray further and further from God, knowing that he's coming back, desiring that all come to know him. It, it can be a little, a little heavy on the heart of a believer. Well, the, the language here, the, the, the idea of exile, and, and, and I hope people understand that. I, I think they tell me, and I don't actually believe this, but they tell me that the reason people are, are, are leaving the church because how can there be a God of love in a world where we have so much trouble and trial? And I don't, I don't, I think people have probably just got other things to do. I don't know if they get philosophical about it, but, but the fact of the matter is we, we know the answer to that question. As the hymn says, we're exiles. We don't belong here. This world is totally corrupted. We don't even belong in our own bodies. Our own bodies are totally corrupted by sin, as I'm beginning to witness here in, in my old age, if I ever thought it was different than that. So we are in exile. We, we don't belong here. I'm glad to be here. I don't particularly want to go to heaven this Christmas, if, if you don't mind, God. I'd like to stick around. But but no, no, we, we, we and, and don't you love the language? We need to be ransomed. That that's what I like. I like about that. It, it's not just that we need to be delivered from here, but really, there's no reason why we should be delivered from here. We fit in perfectly with this sinful world. <laughs> we should just be here or worse. But we have been ransomed, and that's why we're shouting, "Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel!" Because it's not just any God who's coming, but it's the God who suffered and died on the cross for us. The God who loves us enough that He would die for us. And so, yeah, rejoice, rejoice, because. 
he's not here yet. Well, he is. He is here in his love and his forgiveness, but in his uh, completion and in his fullness and in the deliverance. Uh, but but he will be. He will be here. So, so yeah, why not? Just enjoy what you have now. Love and care for the people around you now. Uh, and, and do it, as you said, because we know how it's all going to work out. And, and we know it's going to work out that way because it's not dependent upon us, but it's dependent upon the one who has already come and given his life as a ransom. Well, the great O Antiphon for December 17th goes like this. O wisdom, proceeding from the mouth of the Most High God, pervading and permeating all creation, mightily ordering all things, come and teach us the way of prudence. Well, here is the stanza of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel that uh, reflects that. Uh, this is going to be stanza two. Yeah, o and, and again— Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. You were going to read it. No, no, I, I didn't understand what you were reading. Go ahead and read it, Pastor. Please. All right, here we go. <laughs> o come, thou wisdom from on high, who orderest all things mightily, to us the path of knowledge show, and teach us in her ways to go. That's the second lyric. Yeah, I was. the reason why you thought I wasn't going to do is I was stalling for time while I scrolled up to where it was. Oh. <laughs> That's why, brother. <laughs> so anyway, there we go. Stanzas twos out of the gate. Take us through. All right. So so we should probably know that this was not part of that original uh, uh, Latin five-verse hymn that, that, that Neil had discovered. This was something that got added later. And again, I understand that desire. We have seven antiphons. Well, we want to have seven verses to the hymn. Uh, of course, the focus here is on wisdom. And, and I guess the key thing we need to uh, remember as Christians is that for us, wisdom is not being smart. Right when the world hears wisdom, it's oh that guy's uh, you know he he knows math or he he he's good at whatever. Uh, but for us, when we hear wisdom, we're thinking again of Jesus, right? Uh, and, and we get that from the Old Testament. Uh, the the proverb talks about wisdom, but it talks about wisdom as if it's a person, as if it's a being, not not it's a thing or not something that we possess as humans. Uh, I wisdom dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion in Proverbs eight, and then it goes on in the Proverbs says the the Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work, the first of His acts of old. And right away, then we begin to think about what John said, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and everything that was made was made by him, and there was nothing made that wasn't made by him. And uh, again, we think of Jesus. And of course, then Paul just hammers it home in First Corinthians one twenty four. He says, but to those of us who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the, the wisdom of God. Um, so that's, you know, that's what I love about about these verses we have in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, because they're all about Jesus. Every single one of them relates to something about Jesus, and, and here it is about his wisdom uh, that he wants to give us. Um, I love that wisdom talk. This is thoroughly uh, founded in Scripture. Uh, among many other places, uh, we could go to Proverbs 8. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil— Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. And, of course, those eyes are God. Well, in this case, it's wisdom speaking, but wisdom is of God. Uh, we, we talk about the ways of the world are not the ways of God, and his ways are loftier and higher than our ways. That's, that's wrapped up with this idea of wisdom. True wisdom comes from on high, and, and, and we worship God not because he demands us to, but because 
He's God. He's orderist. All things might ally, as it says in the stanza, if you wanted to rhyme. <laughs> um, he gives us the path of knowledge. So, yes, wisdom isn't just knowing a bunch of things. Um, wisdom is and true wisdom, uh, wisdom that matters is wisdom of God. What a beautiful thing for us to remember as we head into Advent and Christmas that this world's ways and we look at the way they celebrate Christmas, look at the way they don't celebrate Advent and we go, okay, yes, I know that wisdom, I'm sorry, I know that Advent and, and, and Christmas and Easter aren't written into the pages of scripture on a liturgical calendar. But the church has orderist things such that we can reflect the ordering of God in the universe. And so the church here reminds us that, well, you know, we're just strangers in this world. We're just passing through. So so, so if you ask the world what is wise, uh, the world would say, I guess if the world wants to be religious, they would say, well, you you need to do some things so that God owes you. And if you think about all the pagan religions, that was basically their premise, right? Where you need to make a sacrifice to God. You have to pray to God. You've got to do something to influence God so that he likes you and does the things that he wants, sends rain, whatever it is you particularly need. Uh, the wisdom of Christianity is that you don't need to do anything to get God to love you. That That's that's the given. He does love you. He does care for you. Uh, certainly, you shouldn't go against his will because there will be consequences. In fact, why, did he, why do you think he gave you a commandment? Because he knew if you break these commandments, you're going to harm yourself and harm others. Why, why, why does he say, thou shalt not kill? Because somebody's going to get hurt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you don't need to avoid that to get God to love you. It's because he loves you that he says, thou shalt not murder. And then the other thing, what, what, what does the world teach us? What's the wisdom about how we deal with people? Well, we should be good to people so that they'll be good to us, right? I mean, that makes sense. I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. That, that's how the wisdom of the world works. What's the wisdom that, that we have as Christians, the wisdom that God gives us? We should love our enemies. You just love people because they need love. They need care. They need someone to help them. No, you don't do it because you're going to get something out of it. In fact, maybe you won't get anything out of it. But that's so. so see, that's what I think is great. I, I, the, the wisdom of Christianity. And, and, and I don't know what our problem is, Pastor Boo, but somehow we we failed to, to let people understand that. I, I, I think people look at Christians and they think we, well, and probably because we do often. We just are doing the same wisdom that they do. Uh, and, and God help us that we can show them Jesus Christ, where it is a totally different wisdom than anything you'll find in, in this world. Indeed. Well, brother, you know how it is. I'm up against a break, so we're going to have to take oh, yeah. that break. So folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Pastor Lukomsky and I will pick right back up where we left off. We'll see you on the other side. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan316.
Welcome back, dear listeners. I'm Pastor Phil Blue. I'm your host, and with me this morning is the Reverend John Lakomsky. He's a pastor emeritus, but the co-host of Wrestling with the Basics, also on KFUO Radio. And he's my guest this morning as we're counting down to Christmas, contemplating Advent and Christmas hymns according to the scriptures. Today, we're meditating on O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, one of my absolute favorites. Now, before we head back into the hymn, I just want to remind you again that if you have feedback, questions, or comments, you can reach out. Email me at pastorboo at gmail.com. Find me on Facebook or call into the studio, 800-730-2727. And it'd be a good idea to write that number down because on this Friday's episode, December 17th, I'll be giving away that set of volumes one and two of Eternal Anthems published by Concordia Publishing House. This handsome two-volume set will help you discover the stories behind many of your favorite hymns. So it makes sense, right? Head over to cph.org to learn more about these great resources. But if you want to get them for free just by listening to Thy Strong Word, remember, I'll be giving them away on Friday. So listen in for details. All right, Pastor, before the break, we were just finishing up, you know, Verse number two, stanza number two, O come thou wisdom, comparing, contrasting the wisdom of God with the wisdom of man. And these high feasts of the church are such a time to see the difference. I mean, yes, I'm counting down to Christmas. Well, yeah, counting down to Christmas. Christmas begins on December 25th on the church calendar. Well, I guess technically on the eve before, and then goes for 12 days. The world knows nothing of this. You know, the world sees Christmas as something completely different than what the church wants to proclaim as Christmas. Um, And yet, what kind of wins the day, even among most Christians? Well, just ask them. So many will think that the 12 days of Christmas are the countdown to Christmas. And so many of them are probably more excited about taking their kids to see Santa than they are to receive the gifts of the eternal wisdom from on high. And that's, of course, why we're going to continue to be here for people as they walk in faith and grow closer and closer to Christ. But but still, it's there's so much temptation out in the world because Christmas, Easter, these high festivals of the church have been all but robbed from us by the secular world. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's interesting, though, on, on Wrestling with the Basics, we've, we've actually called for a truce in the war on Christmas. <laughs> Because, you know, it occurred to me as Christians, we do get all upset about the fact, well, people are saying happy holidays rather than Merry Christmas. And and yet the thought occurred to me, it's just what you said, probably they should be saying happy holidays because what they're celebrating has nothing to do with what we're celebrating. But, but, But we do need to do a better job, I think, of people helping people understand what, what really is special about Christmas. It, I have got nothing against Santa Claus. I hope you bring Santa. If you're listening, I've been good. I hope you bring me lots of presents, but, but you're right. <laughs> no, that the, the important thing is about the fact that we have an Emmanuel. We have a God with us, you know, Santa comes at Christmas, and then he goes off to his workshop and you don't see him again for another year. Whereas I have a God who I can pray to every morning and I know he will be with me. He's going to be with me next Tuesday when I have, that stress test and Santa will be of no help to me at that point. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that's, I don't expect to get true. any blessing from Santa. <laughs> well, and he's, he's not a good example of a healthy eater or exerciser or anything. <laughs> no, Santa, right. Santa is all <laughs> law. That's the thing about Santa, you know, and, and, oh, yeah. you know, I like to promote the Santa who worships 
Christ, because, oh, you know, yeah, that's yeah. that's the reason for the season, as they say. Well, I'll tell you what, so, why don't we hop in to our yeah. next verse, because we have quite a few to get through. Yeah, well, we and do. this is we going to be stanza yeah. three. As I did before, not to confuse our guest, I'm going to read the O antiphon that's related to it, and then I'll read uh, the uh, the stanza. So this one is associated with the antiphon on December 19th. Uh, O root of Jesse, standing as an ensign before the peoples, before whom all kings are mute, to whom the nations will do homage, come quickly to deliver us. Oh, I'm so sorry I skipped ahead one. My apologies, folks. It's actually for December 18th. Here it is. O Adonai and ruler of the house of Israel, who appeared to Moses in the burning bush and gave him the law on Sinai, come with an outstretched arm and redeem us. That's the one I should have read. And here is stanza three. O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times didst give the law in cloud and majesty and awe. Okay, so that Lord of might connects to the Adonai in the antiphon, which, of course, is just the word for Lord. So uh, we're thinking of the thunders and lightnings in the thick cloud on the mountain of the Lord. What else does this stanza bring to our hearts and minds from the scriptures? So, so you had said earlier, and, and, and it was a really, really important point, that, that this hymn not only connects us to the ancient Christians, you know, but it also connects us to all those believers who are in the Old Testament. And, and this is certainly a very, very clear—it it was clear in wisdom, too, as you pointed out, that, that whole concept of wisdom as a person, that goes back to Proverbs in the Old Testament. And here, of course, the—I the, uh, actually, <laughs> I prefer the antiphon here to the, the hymn verse, because the hymn verse only connects it to, to Mount Sinai, right, where, where God gives the law. And, and I like the fact that the uh, the author of the Antiphon actually connects it also back to when God appears to Moses and says, you know, Moses, I need to send you to, to set my people Israel free. Um, but the, the, the point is, is that who is this that is appearing to Moses? Who is this that comes on, on the mountaintop? And, and again, it's it's our Emmanuel. It's our God with us. It's the one who comes to redeem us, the one who will come to uh, to us, uh, uh, O Israel. Um, and, and that's the important thing for us to understand, that Jesus Christ doesn't just show up at Christmas time. Jesus Christ was there at the beginning, uh, as we heard uh, in the words about wisdom. He was there uh, throughout the Old Testament when God was dealing with the people of Israel, both in terms of his, his grace, sending someone to, to deliver them, also giving them his law, which, by the way, is an act of love. It's not an act of, of punishment. It's because I freed you, God says, and I need to tell you how to live. Um, and, and all of this, of course, is Jesus, which culminates then in in that birth at Christmas, where because you know the the Jesus who comes on the mountain, uh, Mount Sinai. I don't know if I want to meet up with that Jesus. In fact, that's what the Israelites said, didn't they? They said, "You you go deal with him, Moses. We don't like all that thunder and lightning and smoke. That's kind of scary." Uh, and, and it's almost like God says, look, look, I, I don't want to scare anybody. So let me come in a form that everybody loves and everybody <laughs> loves a baby until uh. they start crying and you got to change their diaper, of course. But <laughs> at first glance, even for me as an old man, I see these little kids. Oh, man. Yeah, how could it? And in fact, right now, uh, Lynn and I are wishing that that one of our grandchildren might have a baby. <laughs> we, we could use another baby. Not our great grandchildren. We don't want them to have babies. 
babies. They're no, no, too no. young. But the <laughs> grandchildren, yeah, they could have another baby. But you illustrate a powerful distinction here because, you know, you talk about the Jesus. Everybody wants the baby Jesus. Yeah. Nobody wants the Jesus who's judging at the end of time according to God's <laughs> law. So thou Adonai, right, thou Lord of might. Um, just for the curmudgeons out in the audience, let's read Exodus 19, 16 through 19. And I'm going to I'm going to I want you to listen to just the drama. Our guest already alluded to it, but the drama and the fear people must have had when they came into the presence of, of God. Uh, once again, from Exodus 19. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire, and the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, and Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. So I, I do appreciate this, this idea that God comes to us as an infant, you know, he descends to us. Now, I also hold to this idea that Christ's suffering begins with his birth, of course, at the very beginning of his incarnation. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, he's so approachable in that form. And in some ways, it leads us to build a relationship with Christ before we meet the judge who descended upon the mountain in fire. Uh, and, and that's what we're given an opportunity to do, to approach Christ at his manger, but realize that he doesn't just stay in the manger. He goes on. He does his work for us. He is the Lord of might because he's victorious over sin, death, and Satan on our behalf. And and the thing is, see, see I don't know that we really appreciate the word Lord, uh, or, or the actual the Hebrew word, the Adonai. But you see, the reason you have that word is because the Jews didn't feel they could even speak the name of God. Uh, they they knew his personal name. It, it was Yahweh. That's the name he gave them. But they were so afraid of him, they, they wouldn't even write it. They wouldn't even speak it. They would substitute then this word Lord, this word Adonai. Uh, and, and so, for example, in, in the story we had just a couple of weeks ago on Palm Sunday uh, at the beginning of Advent, Jesus says, tell them the Lord has need of it, right, when he's asking for a donkey. And and we just hear that. We don't appreciate because that would have really shocked them because, in other words, he was saying God has need of it. He was claiming he was, he's the Adonai, he's the Lord. And that's a, that, like you said, that for the Jew, that's a scary thing. Um, but yeah, see, that's, that's why Jesus, what did Jesus say? No one comes to the father, but by me, you, you can't understand. If you want to deal with God in, in his raw godness, he's a frightening thing. He's a frightening thing for me and everything I have to face day in and day out. But that's, what's so great about Jesus. And it just begins, like you said, with him coming as a baby. When, when you see the Jesus says, man, I love you enough. I'm going to die on a cross for it. Cause no greater love does a man have than this, that he laid down his life on his friend for his friends rather. And, and, and there you say, Oh, well, Adonai is a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's not a thing. Wouldn't it be cool if, if you walked into court and the judge comes in and it's your best buddy. <laughs> it's your friend. You know, <laughs> right. in fact, it's better than that. it's your brother. It's your brother. Yeah. And, and that's what's going to happen at the final judgment. Uh, we, we won't be scared because, oh, that's our brother there who's in charge of everything. Exactly. But then it recalls to me all those people who are quick to embrace the little baby Jesus, but they never want him to grow up. You know, as, as much as we're accused of, well, Christ, you have the corpus on your cross. You have these crucifixes. Well, Jesus isn't on the cross anymore. We should all have empty crucifixes. 
And those same people rush out to put baby Jesus in their little plastic mangers. And it's like, well, Jesus isn't in the manger anymore either. All of these images are important for us to know that Christ is it comes to us in a real part of history and does real things. And, and they all point to part of what Christ has done. And so I wouldn't besmirch anybody reflecting on anything Christ has done for them. But so many people just want to stop at the baby Jesus. They like the cuteness of Christmas and they might come for the hallelujahs of Easter, but all that stuff that happens in between, they're not so interested about. And, and that I think we should be cautious of. I'd like to move on just because of the number of verses we oh, yeah. have. Yep. And I'm going to go into stanza four. Now, you've already heard me read the antiphon. In the antiphon I accidentally read earlier, I said root of Jesse. Here it says branch of Jesse. O come thou branch of Jesse's stem unto thine own and rescue them from depths of hell. Thy people save and give them victory or the grave. Heading to Isaiah 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his root shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord that shoot from the stump of Jesse. Yeah, so unto thine own, rescue them. From what? From the depths of hell and give them victory over death. Um, Yeah, you don't think of, I know we've already talked about that this is an Advent hymn that's mostly looking forward to Christ's return, but these things were fulfilled at Christmas too. But yeah, you don't think of that little baby in his mama's arms. No crying did he make? No, he made cries. But anyway, crying in his mother's arms. But you think of that's the one who's come to rescue us literally from death and hell. What a a powerful image. And again, there's the Old Testament connection, of course, Jesse, who was the father of David. And of course, eventually, if you go to Matthew, you can trace it all the way. We have Jesus. And and don't you just love, again, the connection that it makes here in the hymn, freedom from Satan's tyranny, uh, that trust thy mighty power to save and give them victory or the grave. Um, so you see, that's the thing. Yeah, Jesus is cute. He's cute, as you said, lying there in the manger. Who doesn't like the little baby Jesus? But but you can't avoid the problem uh, that we start out as babies. We're cute, too. I tease my kids all the time. Yeah, you used to be cute like that, I say. But we don't stay <laughs> cute. We we get older, and, and, and we're going to die, and that's the reality. So if you just leave the baby Jesus in the in the manger, then I guess he really doesn't mean much to us. Uh, no, you have to have the Jesus that is going to go up and grow up and suffer and hang on a cross and, and die. But then you need to understand, as the hymn reminds us, why did he do that? So we could be freed from, from Satan, so we could be freed from the death, so we can know that there is uh, a forgiveness and eternal life. So I think that's a good point. If you, if you just stop at Christmas, then I don't know that Jesus really doesn't do much for me, at least now that I'm getting older. No, I need the Jesus who, who dies and rises again. And and I have that Jesus. That is the Jesus. And he is the branch of Jesse. This is going all the way back. It's been a long, long time that God has been planning this. And, and the plan is not quite fulfilled yet. The devil still is a roaring lion, isn't he? Seeking whom he may devour. Still has his fire arrows at, aimed at me every day. But that's okay, devil. You can do me no harm. You can kill me if you want. It still won't won't make any difference. Um, in fact, you can tell me I'm a horrible, terrible sinner, and you're probably right. But it still won't make any difference because Jesus Christ has, has paid for all my sins. You know, as I'm looking through all of these two, you know, we don't have Jesus's crucifixion in this hymn. You know, it, it doesn't uh-uh. tell us specifically. 
Uh, I'm I'm looking through all of it. It's certainly alluded to, but we don't have it specifically. We just have the promise. And I think that's the point of this is this anticipation of the promise. We fill in the details because we're on this side of Christ's first coming. Uh, and so the, the same kind of thought, not how, but that Jesus is going to come and save us and rescue us from hell and death. The next stanza points to that same thing, but probably a little bit more positive terms. He says, it says, O come thou key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery or misery. <laughs> uh, the stanza, or rather the antiphon that relates to that stanza, the key of David, uh, is from December 20th. O key of David and scepter of the house of Israel, you open and no one can close. You close and no one can open. Come and rescue the prisoners who are in darkness and the shadow of death. So here we have David, the key of David, rather, David's son, coming. Uh, what does key of David mean, though? Well, it's interesting because what the Antiphon actually is doing there, they're just quoting. They're quoting the scripture. They're, they're quoting Isaiah 22, where it says, uh, He will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut. And then Revelation 3 says the same things. I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. Um but but see, isn't that a great image? Because because Jesus, how do you, how do you get into heaven? How do you, well well of course the wisdom of the world is well you better try real hard because that's how it works with Santa right? It's naughty that's and right. nice that's how it works, and and of course the answer of Scripture is no no here's how you get into heaven and here's how the doors open and it'll never be shut. It says in Isaiah and Revelation that is Jesus Christ. He's the key. He's the key that opens the doors of heaven. So you really I love that verse because it's so plain and simple right? He. He's the one. He's the one that opens the uh, doors of heaven for us. Uh, and then by doing that, he closes in the path of misery as well. Absolutely. Let's keep on going. Um, so verse or stanza six. Oh, come thou day spring from on high and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the glooms, the, gl the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. I don't know why I'm having such a problem reading today. Uh, we think of Malachi, at least I do, Malachi 4. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. This imagery of the day spring from on high. That comes from the Antiphon for December 21st. O day spring, splendor of light everlasting, come and enlighten those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Uh, very... Uh, John-like imagery of lightness and darkness, gloomy clouds and night, um, this very common refrain of Christ, God being the light in the world. And, and of course, again, the Antiphon coming straight out of the scripture from Isaiah chapter 9, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them, light has shone. And then, of course, it goes on to say, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Yeah, as you said, yeah, Jesus is the light. He is the light of the world. He is our light. Uh, as well. Well, let's wrap it up here with our very last stanza. Oh, come desire of nations, bind in one the hearts of all mankind. Bid thou our sad division cease and be thyself our king of peace. 
Well, we go to December 22nd. O King of the Nations, the ruler they long for, the cornerstone uniting all people, come and save us all whom you formed out of clay. So this desire of nations language is uh, kind of interesting. Haggai too, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. I'll fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. You know, you have this sort of over and over this idea that, you know, the people of Israel, both his nation and now us, the people of Israel who have faith and trust in Jesus, are to be a light on a, on a hill, right? We're to, to, to bring all the nations to Christ. And, and one day when Christ returns, uh, our sad divisions will cease. And, and, and I think this is a, a, a great way to, to wrap this up, because uh, I think about how Jesus ends his ministry in Matthew 28 with the commandment, go and make disciples of all nations. And, and I, I think we forget sometimes for the Jews, that, that isn't their concept. They thought they were the nation. They thought that everything that happened happened for them and for their sake. And of course, with the coming of Jesus Christ is the realization that, yeah, they, they were his people. God was using them, but but not just so that he could save just them, but that he could bring his salvation to the whole world, to all all nations. Uh, and and uh, that we have that a nice conclusion here. In fact, you know, that Haggai passage you quoted, it, it ends up with all the treasures of all nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory. So uh, and, and I say that because I think we as Christians let's not fall into that Jewish attitude of thinking, well, you know, we're better than everybody else in the world. We're, no, no. Remember what, what John said, for God so loved the world. These people around us, these people, by the way, who, as you said, they're not really celebrating Christmas. They're celebrating happy holidays. Good, good for them. Right. But man, let, let's remember, God loves those people. He wants them to have the same celebration that we're having the, of a savior of, of, of the Adonai, of the, the branch of Jesse, of the, 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 uh, uh, a desire of nations, the key of David. Uh, so please let us not simply say, well, we don't care about those people. They, they don't know what it's. No, God help us that every day this Christmas, if we have opportunity to love and care for them, we show them that love and care. And and by the way, God give us a strength to say, hey, what you doing Christmas Eve? You want to come and go to church with us? You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Exactly. Well, that's the goal. Of course, you know, sometimes I worry that even our own people aren't celebrating it in the way that God wants them to. Uh, And not though there's a wrong or right way, but only in the sense that, you know, we get so caught up in the in the secular side of this season, the gift buying and the rushing around the, the errands, the family gatherings, all of which are glorious blessings that God gives us in this life. But just take a moment. And reflect on these antiphons, reflect on a hymn like this, and remember that there's still more yet to come. I'd like to thank my guest this morning. It's the Reverend John Lakomsky. He's the co-host of Wrestling with the Basics on KFUO Radio, which you can hear on Saturdays. Regular contributor to this show, too, and I'm always happy to have him on. Thanks, Pastor, for being on the thank show. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Pastor. Boone. Merry Christmas to you, too. Happy rest of Advent and Merry Christmas. I think I might talk with you at least once more before the end of Christmas. We'll see. So, folks, tomorrow we're going to turn in our hymnals to LSB 361, and we'll meditate on O Little Town of Bethlehem. You don't want to miss it. That's a popular uh, Christmas-tide favorite of congregations, Sunday schools, and carolers alike, O Little Town of Bethlehem, tomorrow. So until then, may God's peace and blessings be with you all as we pray, Father, keep us in thy strong word. 